Well, the headline in the Herald on Sunday screamed school violence on the rise. Thousands of students stood down or suspended for physically assaulting peers each year. Are you surprised? Well, you shouldn't be. Let's check it out. So one of my most famous interviews when I was at Radio Rima in the early 2000s was my weekly chat with the then Prime Minister Helen Clark. And it was 2005, and she was championing Sue Bradford's anti-smacking law. And this interview happened. Uh, you won't see me, but I'm the interviewer. I do not support a ban on smacking. I'm opposed to that because I think it's defying human nature. Hmm. Well, she didn't get much right, but she definitely got that statement right. To ban smacking would defy human nature. Uh, despite Sue Bradford calling it a anti-smacking law, as you can see there, the politicians and the media said, no, it's not an anti-smacking law, but it was. We all knew that. But Helen Clark and Sue Bradford were doing their best to try and dupe everyone, uh, and the media caught on. The Prime Minister is rejecting accusations of flip-flopping on smacking. Helen Clark's been forced to defend her stance on the issue after the anti-smacking lobby released comments she made during the last election. The PM says her position has been consistent and blames the media for misinterpreting what the proposed anti-smacking bill will actually do. The Prime Minister is not impressed that her stance on the smacking bill is under scrutiny. All Labour MPs are supporting Sue Bradford's bill and Helen Clark has led from the front. But has her position changed? Listen to this from before the last election. As you know, I do not support a ban on smacking. I'm opposed to that because I think it's defying human nature and no one wants to see a, a stressed and harassed parent who in exasperation lightly smacks a child dragged before a court. New Zealanders can't trust Helen Clark making policy about their children. Before the election she said she was against a smacking ban because it suited her. Now she's trying to shove it through Parliament, riding over her, her own MPs to get it through. But the Prime Minister says she hasn't changed her tune, rather the effect of the bill has been misinterpreted. It is a crime to hit anybody. Now what I've always said is that the changes that Sue Bradford is proposing are not going to lead to a parent who lightly smacks a child being marched off into court and successfully prosecuted and convicted. So what does the bill do? Well, right now, Section 59 of the Crimes Act provides a legal defence for parents who use reasonable force to discipline their children. The bill removes that defence for parents charged with an offence involving force against a child. The police and all the legal advice is that it does ban smacking. That was the intent of the bill. So we asked Sue Bradford whether it would be legal to smack a child under her bill. It won't be legal, but that does not mean that well, we're... It's no, it's not. It's removing a defence that's available now to parents who smack their kids that, not, that is not available, for example, that hus to husbands will beat their wives. What position on the bill? A war of words. Uh, yeah, well, that probably brought back some memories, didn't it? Um, but the politicians, including the National Party led by John Key, after the law was passed, uh, rammed through the law. Well, actually, no, sorry, he was a leader when it was rammed through. Uh, he took over from Bill English, of course. Despite 87% of the public, as we found out in the ensuing referendum, opposing the law, and despite John Key calling the law a dog's breakfast. Yeah, I tell you what's interesting about the law, eh, is that, I mean, look, it's a complete and utter dog's breakfast. I mean, let's acknowledge that.
Yeah, let's acknowledge that. It is a dog's breakfast, but hey, it's just parents being criminalised, big deal. Uh, of course, we knew what the real effect of the law was. It was to criminalise good parents raising great kids, and despite what you hear from the political elite, it has done exactly that. We have the legal proof, including analysis from legal experts such as top public law, lawyer Mei Chen, and the testimonies of parents, which you can watch on our website, protectgoodparents.nz. But we've now had almost 16 years to watch the fallout from the law. In other words, children born at or around the time of the passing of the anti-smacking law or after it are now teenagers and children. So what has been the result of this grand social experiment? Well, let's read the New Zealand Herald article. And let's get the right paper. And it says, the number of students stood down or suspended for physically assaulting staff or students has increased 66% in the past 11 years, and teachers are reporting dealing with more instances of violence than in the past. Uh, and here is the data. Ministry of Education data shows 8,251 students were stood down or suspended for attacking their peers in 2022, compared with 4,935 in 2012. Of those suspended, 314 were excluded, or expelled last year, a 50% increase since 2012. And the same figures there you can see show 993 students stood down or suspended for physically assaulting staff in 2022 compared with 642 in 2012. So that's the 66% increase. Just under 5,000 to now being over 8,000. Uh, and then it says the largest increase was in the number of stand-downs, which went up 71% over the time period. The Ministry of Education said it was important to note the data was not a measure of student behaviour, but a measure of a school's reaction to such behaviour. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Uh, and then it says, Post-Primary Teachers Association Acting President Chris Abercrombie said there seemed to be more violence and incidences that teachers had to deal with occasionally and they were more frequent. Social media also had a significant part to play in the increase in violence because it encouraged violent behaviour and incentivised young people to share violent content. Yeah, uh, you know, it's hard to find teachers at the moment, isn't it? You wonder why? Because of the risk of assault. And of course, uh, this is rubbish from the Ministry of Education because they are saying that uh, it's important to note the data is not a measure of student behaviour, but a measure of the school's reaction. In fact, schools are under enormous pressure not to take this action against students. Some schools have lowered the behaviour standards so far that it's almost as hard to be suspended as it is to commit a serious crime and end up in prison. Um, schools have also been pressured by the Ministry of Education to take back students who were removed for attacking staff and threatening younger students. Uh, and of course, you know, social media has a part to play. The Post-Primary Teachers Association says, well, here's a really simple solution, team. Ban phones during school time. Yeah, emergency calls from mummy can go to the office. It's not rocket science. But of course, that kind of decision takes backbone and bravery from adults. And sadly, adults don't seem brave enough to figure it out or do something radical. Uh, and the article goes on and it says, NZEI president 
Mark Potter said anecdotally, primary teachers were reporting that more children were presenting challenging behaviours, which was reflected in the data. He said, given the challenge of the last few years, this is unsurprising. Children are facing an increasingly complex and uncertain world, living through a pandemic, a climate crisis, and cost of living stresses that impact them and their whānau around them will be contributing factors. Well, that's the next bit of fake news. Pandemic, climate crisis, cost of living. This claim from the union is completely false and misleading. It's a smokescreen. And the data is quite clear. So let me show you. Uh, and these disturbing trends in schools, which we highlighted in our 2020 report, were already happening well before COVID and the cost of living crisis and climate alarmism had reached its full shrill. And so based on data up to 2019, so well clear of COVID and the resulting fallout, we found in this report that not only has the ban failed to reduce the harm against children, but it has increased the harm inflicted by children. Uh, the report of Dogs Breakfast, uh, New Zealand's anti-smacking law, 13 years on, of course, named after John Key's comments after the referendum, uh, examined the social indicators relating to child abuse leading up to 2007 and then 2007 onwards, and it used all government official data. Key findings of the report included notifications of abuse to government agencies continue to increase at alarming rates, and rates of physical abuse, including serious physical abuse found by the police in Oranga Tamariki, have increased significantly since the law passed. But here's the key ones. The report said there are disturbing trends in the well-being of children, including the high rates of self-harm, suicide, and emotional and behavioural problems. And secondly, there are significant warranted concerns around increasing levels of violence in schools, including bullying and physical violence targeting principals and teaching staff. Yeah. So let me show you a few graphs. Firstly, children under 14 seen by mental health and addiction services. Now, in each of these graphs, the red bar is the passing of the anti-smacking law, 2007. Note the trend. This is two to 14-year-olds diagnosed with emotional or behavioural problems, more than doubled. Anxiety disorder for older teens, more than five times higher. Uh, this is hospitalisation for children and teens for mental and behavioural disorders. Remember, the red line is the smacking law. But let's look at uh, schools. So this is across all New Zealand schools. Physical assaults on other students, you'll see a sort of decrease after the anti-smacking law, but now it's starting to increase again. Schools have been pressured not to stand students down, so that's why there's been that drop. But schools are facing no uh, other better option now. But look at this one. This is physical assaults on staff. Look at that increase. This is, this is not fisty cuffs and bullying against other kids in the playground. This is physical assault of the adults by children. Uh, but here's the one that should concern you. This is violence in primary schools, years one to eight, so that includes intermediate schools. Gray is assaults on other kids, big spike there at the end. But the orange is assaults on staff, and that is trending upwards as well in recent years. This is primary age on adult staff. One more, this is just primary schools, so children 11 years or younger. 
Look at those last columns. And we were told violence breeds violence. Perhaps a lack of discipline and consequences and boundaries breeds violence. Uh, and guess what? Uh, that's to do with human nature. If you do away with discipline and consequences and boundaries, that defies human nature. Uh, children need boundaries. Not abuse, but appropriate discipline and correction. You know that one of the jobs where you're likely to be subject to physical violence is school principal. Yep. Reports have shown that principals are almost 12 times more likely to be subject to physical violence at work than the rest of the population. UNICEF's annual Innocenti report card released at the end of 2018 ranked New Zealand as the worst in the world for bullying in schools. Almost 60% of students experience bullying either weekly or monthly, more than twice the rate of countries with the lowest rates. So when school leaders and politicians and the media try and blame what's happening in schools on COVID and the cost of living and global warming, treat it with contempt. It's fake news. Those may have added to the problem, but the problem was well underway and has been for the past decade before those latest factors. Interestingly, during the anti-smacking debate, a 2007 Otago University study found that children who were smacked in a reasonable way had similar or slightly better outcomes in terms of aggression, substance abuse, adult convictions, and school achievement than those who were not smacked at all. A study by the Christchurch School of Medicine found there was no difference in outcomes between no smacking and moderate physical punishment. They said, quote, it is misleading to imply that occasional or mild physical punishment has long-term adverse consequences, end quote. But you probably won't hear much about those studies. You see, studies cited by opponents of smacking do not adequately distinguish the effects of smacking as practiced by non-abusive parents from the impact of severe physical punishment and abuse. And other studies have shown that expressing disappointment and yelling or scolding or putting down your child were associated with as many significantly adverse outcomes as smacking. And time out and shaming were also significantly associated with internalizing problems. It's not necessarily the technique that's used, it's how it's used and the character and intention of the parent. There are some rotten parents out there, make no mistake. But the researchers suggest that despite the best of intentions, the prohibition of all forms of physical correction may have inadvertently undermined appropriate parental discipline, with the result that a small but increasing percentage of especially boys may grow up with a dangerous combination of disrespect for their parents, especially their mothers, and a lack of self-control. And they also note that critics of anti-smacking laws have been uh, able to identify alternative, unable to identify alternative methods of discipline that are as effective in reducing child behaviour problems. Look, the bottom line, violence against children continues to be a dark stain on the fabric of New Zealand society. All New Zealanders are disturbed by the high rates of child abuse, but the anti-smacking law has not proven to be effective or warranted. The fact that so many social indicators around the welfare of children continue to worsen rather than improve proves that we simply are not tackling the real causes of child abuse. It demonstrates that the law's been completely ineffective in terms of tackling the problem it was supposed to confront. And uh, as we said at the time, it's consistent with a lazy legislative approach of creating a law to deal with a small minority 
and apply it universally across all parents. Now, some will argue the law should be left alone and that any discussion of its success or failure is redundant. But any law, especially a controversial one like the anti-smacking law, which criminalises good parents, should be able to withstand this type of scrutiny. Even more importantly, it's crucial to assess whether the law may in fact be doing more harm than good. Criminalising good parents who simply want to raise law-abiding and responsible citizens is bad lawmaking. Putting children at risk from increased levels of violence in the school setting is also highly problematic. And the anti-smacking law assumes that previous generations discipline their children in a manner so harmful they should now be considered criminals. And this undermines the confidence of today's parents in disciplining their children. It fails to understand the special relationships within families and the unique ways in which families function and has communicated to some children that they are now in the driving seat and that parents should be put in their place. And worst of all, the anti-smacking law has communicated the message that many politicians don't trust New Zealand parents to raise their own children responsibly. And so, behaviour in our schools and in our communities, think ram raids and lawlessness by teenagers and children, will continue to deteriorate. The anti-smacking law defies human nature. It's a failed social experiment. We did try and warn people.